0: Have a message from the Lord, hallelujah, the message unto you again. It's recorded in his word, hallelujah, it is only that you look and live. Look and live, look and live. my brother, live. look and live, look to Jesus, no one live. and no one lives. Greetings! Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker and I'm your host for these Bible study podcasts. This is episode 6 of a 9-part series of presentations entitled God's Precious Word. These studies have been adapted from the booklet entitled Key Principles of Bible Study, which is available for download directly from our podcast page at BibleStudy.ASBZone.com. These nine presentations cover primary truths about God and His Word, along with His purpose in providing us with the Holy Scriptures. Our theme verse for this series is Jeremiah fifteen sixteen, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. The current presentation is entitled Precious Promises. Before we begin, let's have a word of prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you once again for the privilege of studying together from your word. We invite your presence to be with us. We ask for the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and understanding that we will rightly divide your words of truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Precious Promises 2 Peter 1, verse 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. If we would have faith in his promises, we would see tremendous blessings. That's Second Peter 1 verses 2 through 4. Let's see what our questions are for today. What types of promises can we find in the Bible? That's question one. Can we really rely on God's promises to us? That's question two. And do we have examples of people who trusted God to fulfill his promises? Let's see what we learn today. Our story comes to us from Genesis chapter 15. This is where Abram becomes Abraham. Very few people in the Bible were given more promises and more extensive promises than Abraham. He is promised to be the father of a multitude and the inheritor of the earth. Let's look at Genesis 15 verses 3 through 6. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in mine house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he, that is God, brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he Abraham, believed in the Lord, and he, the Lord, counted it to righteous counted it to him for righteousness, okay and he believed in the Lord, and he, the Lord counted it to him for righteousness, so Abram is recounting to God that he has no heirs and that he's going to uh Pick one that, he, that was born in his house. And the Lord says, no, you're going to have not just one heir. You're going to have a multitude. Kingdoms shall come from you. Nations. And so here's that promise. Now God remembers his promises. Psalm 105.42 says, For he remembered his holy promise, and Abraham his servant. Right? Abraham is called a friend of God, and God certainly remembered the promises made to Abraham. God made promises of blessings to his people. Deuteronomy one eleven we read The Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times so many more as ye are, and bless you as he hath promised you. So God has many blessings promised for his people who trust in him. Okay, in Second Samuel chapter 7, verses 27 through 28, God makes promises to David. For thou, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, hast revealed to thy servant, saying, I will build thee an house. Therefore hath thy servant found in his heart to pray this prayer unto thee. And now, O Lord God, thou art that God, and thy words be true, and thou hast promised this goodness unto thy servant. So God made the promise of an everlasting kingdom, an eternal kingdom, to David. And that was when David had had indicated to Nathan, the prophet, that he wanted to build God a house. And the Lord said, well, you're not going to build me the house, but your son will build me the house, but more importantly, I will build you. A house and that promise was fulfilled to Solomon even though it really extends beyond Solomon as we will see in 1st Kings 8 56 we read blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto his people Israel according to all that he promised there hath not failed one word of all his good promise which he promised by the hand of his servant of Moses his servant Okay, so Solomon, this is Solomon speaking here um, when he's dedicating uh, the temple. And Solomon recognizes that God has fulfilled all the promise. Now, God remembers his promise because after Solomon, um, Solomon didn't do so good. There, There's some good and bad in his history. And there was some bad in the in the sons of Solomon. Solomon opened the door to a lot of things that shouldn't have happened, but some of his children didn't go so well. And in 2nd Chronicles 21 7 we read, "Howbeit the Lord would not destroy the house of David, so this is even though there was wickedness going on and God was punishing them, he wouldn't utterly destroy the house of David. Howbeit the Lord would not destroy the house of David because of the covenant that he had made with David, and as he promised to give a light to him and to his sons forever." So God remains faithful even when his people are in rebellion. Promises concerning salvation. Now, this promise that we're about to read is really the grandfather of all of the promises. Genesis three fourteen and 15 says, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, And above every beast of the field upon thy belly shalt thou go and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life right so the very first promise is found in genesis and it continues this and i'll put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel so this is the promise this promise is of the coming Messiah. <laughs> the promise to Abraham is a subset of this promise. The promise to David is a subset of this promise. The seed of the woman is Christ, right? Here are some more promises concerning Christ. Jeremiah 33, 14 and 15 says, Behold the days come, saith the Lord, that I'll perform the good thing which I have promised unto the house of Israel and to the house of Judah in those days. And at that time, I will cause the branch of righteousness to grow up unto David and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. So the branch is Christ. Okay. Lots of promises about Christ, but the branch, especially you see the branch of righteousness capitalized there. That is Christ. And here's the covenant recognized in Luke one, verses sixty eight through seventy two. It says, "Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He hath visited and redeemed His people." Right. This is Zechariah know- noticing the promise, as He spake by the mouth of His holy prophets, which have since the world began to perform the mercy performed, promised rather to perform the mercy promised to our fathers. And to remember his holy covenant. Okay. So Zacharias recognized the promise, the covenant promise. So why did Christ die for us? He did not die simply to forgive us. Okay, it's important. He died to pardon us which is more than just forgiveness. He died to restore us and he died to provide us victory over sin. Forgiveness and pardon are not the same. Pardon is actually uh, larger. The, the difference between forgiveness and pardon is can be summed up in this illustration. Imagine that a person... Has done something vile, they've committed murder, and they're brought before the judge. And the other party is there, the person, you know, a relative of the person who was murdered. That person has it in their power to forgive. They can say, you know, what you did was wicked, but I'm not going to hold on to that. And I forgive you for what you did. Right. And the power of forgiveness is that it can be done even if the other person isn't repentant, but that's a different story. But for the sake of argument, the, the spouse or relative of the person who was murdered can forgive the person who's guilty, but that doesn't pardon them. Pardoning is a legal, has legal implications. And so the person who's pardoned can go free. A person who's forgiven might not be able to go free. They may not, they may no longer have to bear the guilt of the injured party or the injured parties, but they aren't pardoned automatically and therefore they don't go anywhere. It is the judge that pardons. Now, in the case of sin and sinfulness, it is the judge that forgives and pardons. But we need him to do more than just forgive us. Right? Because he could say, I I forgive you for doing wrong, but you still have to pay for the crime. (laughs) And we wouldn't wouldn't really like that response. So pardon is one of the things we need. And then restoration. Right? The prodigal son came home and he wanted to be pardoned, um, but he was not concerned about restoration. He was just, he wanted forgiveness from his father. And... He did want pardon. He wanted the father to, to think of him differently than he had before. But he was okay with, not rest- with without being restored, right? His, his thing was make me as one of the hired servants, which would have been a restoration of some level, but it would have been the downgrade from where he had been. And the father restored him right back to where he was, which made the other brother unhappy. But again, that's another story. And then Jesus died to provide us victory over sin. So we don't have to be stuck with the thing that God has separated from God. Here's another promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, 4, and 5. Being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard from me. This is Jesus telling them this. Okay, so we've been promised the Holy Spirit for day-to-day power. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Not many days hence. Okay? And then we see the Holy Spirit granted. Acts 2.33 Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. Okay? So the Holy Spirit was promised, and the Holy Spirit was granted, and it was made known, it was acknowledged by the apostles. There's a promise of a return. This is an awesome promise. John 14, 1-3 says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also. This is one of the most anticipated promises in all of scripture. Most anticipated promises in all of scripture. Okay promise of forgiveness if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness all Right. so really this verse is talking about forgiveness and pardon it doesn't say the word pardon but it says if we confess he is faithful to forgive and to cleanse and the cleansing is how the pardon comes about because we are we are cleared of the wrongdoing. This is an awesome promise, because if we confess, he will absolutely forgive. Here's a nice promise of overcoming. My little children, these things I write unto you, that ye sin not. Right? And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That's First John 2, 1-3. This promise is, is awesome and usually we only notice a part of it so let's look at it we tend to focus on and if any man sin we have an advocate with the father jesus christ the righteous which is an awesome promise by itself but the first part of the promise is really powerful my little children these things i write unto you that ye sin not first john 2 1 to 3 that's that's a promise it's not a threat it's a promise and we have this promise of overcoming. And here's why, because this is what happens to overcomers. Revelation 3.21 says to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne, all right? Here are some of the promises Jesus makes in Revelation. And they're mostly about overcomers. Overcomers inherit all things. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Revelation 21, 7. Okay. Overcomers get white robes. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Revelation 3, verse 5. So overcomers get. White robes, overcomers, get to sit on Christ's throne. First we saw the blessings that will come to overcomers, and now we have the promise of being an overcomer. Jude 24 and 25. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. That's a lot like our First John um, verse. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Okay, God is powerful enough to keep us from falling, and we need to trust that. We need to have faith in him, because that's how victory comes. Hebrews eleven six says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. 1 John 5, 4 tells us that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So we've looked at a number of these precious promises. And if we would have faith in these promises, we would see personally and collectively tremendous blessings. We can be like Christ. None need fail of attaining in his sphere to perfection of Christian character. By the sacrifice of Christ, provision has been made for the believer to receive all things that pertain to life and godliness. God calls upon us to reach the standard of perfection and places before us the example of Christ's character. In his humanity, perfected by a life of constant resistance to evil, the Savior showed that through cooperation with divinity, human beings may in this life attain to perfection of character. This is God's assurance to us that we too may obtain complete victory. That's Acts of the Apostles, page 531 and now 532 before the believer is held out the wonderful possibility of being like christ obedient to all the principles of the law but of himself man is utterly unable to reach this condition the holiness that god's word declares he must have before he can be saved is the result of the working of divine grace as he bows in submission to the discipline and restraining influences of the spirit of truth man's obedience can be made perfect only by the incense of christ's righteousness which fills with divine fragrance every act of obedience the part of the christian is to persevere in overcoming every fault constantly he is to pray to the savior to heal the disorders of his sin-sick soul he has not the wisdom or the strength to overcome these belong to the lord let's say that again he has not the wisdom or the strength to overcome These belong to the Lord, and he bestows them on those who, in humiliation and contrition, seek him for help. That's Acts of the Apostles, pages 531 and 532. The Bible tells us that Abraham believed, and it was counted to him for righteousness. He had faith in God. He trusted in God, and God delivered We need to believe that God can do the same for us and in us and through us today. Because the promise to Abraham is the same promise that we want to inherit the world, to inherit all things through Christ. Let's look at our questions. What type of promises can we find in the Bible? The Bible presents to us promises of forgiveness, of restoration, of redemption, of victory, and of God's final rescue of those who put their faith in him. Lots and lots of promises. Can we really rely on God's promises to us? Certainly, when we look at how God has worked throughout history, we can rest assured that his promises to us are sure and solid, and that he is not only willing, but abundantly able to deliver. Do we have examples of people who trusted God to fulfill his promises? Absolutely. Hebrews 11 is one of the best chapters in the Bible for answering this question. We can read there of Abraham, Moses, Samson, Gideon, Noah, and much, much more. Message appeal. Message appeal do you see how extensive god's promises to us are and are you willing to put your faith and your trust in god to fulfill those promises to us to you jeremiah fifteen sixteen, thy words were found and i did eat them and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart for i'm called by thy name O Lord, God of hosts. Thanks for taking this time to study with us today. We encourage you, we encourage you to prayerfully review this presentation along with the study notes and the companion download. Let's close our study with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the study of your promises, many precious promises to us. Please help us, Lord, to trust you. Please help us to look through our history and see how you have dealt with us, how you have been faithful to us and also to all of the folks in the Bible. Help us to trust you, to put our faith in you, and save us at last, eternally, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening in. And if you have any questions, be sure to send them to BibleQuestions at asbzone.com, and we will do our best by God's grace to provide you with biblical answers to those questions. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you study his word. It's recorded in his word. Hallelujah. It is only that you look and live. Look and live, my brother live Look and live, look to Jesus No one lives, no one live It's recorded in his word, hallelujah It is only that you look and live